Hey, listener, Zach Harper here. Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rivals pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years. Here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick First time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step. To five three three four two New York, call the twenty four seven Hope Line at one eight seven seven eight Hope and Y or text Hope and Y four six seven three six nine. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Woke Bros. I'm your resident Woke Pro, Big Waz. And today, as always, I got my comrade, my paisan, Michael Brooks, Michael Jamal, Shabazz, Abdul Brooks, to be exact. (laughs) (laughs) Rob Lopez on the ones and twos, as usual. Just a couple of quick house cleaning items. Make sure you sign up to theathletic.com backslash dinks for 40% off. That's where all our sports podcasts can be found nowadays. Trust me, it's a great bang for your buck. Of course, live in Chicago on May 18th at the Lincoln Hall, tickets are still available via Patreon or, of course, countthedings.com. Make sure you get your tickets to that. We only have a few left, and we're getting closer to the date, so you make sure you you get your hands on those if you're in the greater Midwest area. Less than triple digits, if I may. Less than triple digits tickets left. Less than triple digits tickets left. About a month out. Got that got that memo to, uh, today or yesterday. And, of course, man, this Saturday, 
420, which is a special day for the residents of Long, um, Long Island, Los Angeles, California. The Michael Brooks Show, live at the Bootleg Theater, featuring, of course, Michael Jamal Brooks. He'll be hosted and emceeing the entire event, because it's his event. Myself will be on the panel, and a Kasparian of the Young Turks, Nando Villa of The Athletic. <laughs> Shouts to Nando. Um, you don't want to miss that. Mike, man, what, what can the people expect on Saturday night? Dude, you know, it's, I mean, just an insane lineup that you just outlined. We're going to play games. Who said it? Mark Cuban or Mussolini? We're each going to do our own spotlights with uh, the different guests. We'll all be up on stage together. There's going to be some pre-recorded sketches. Um, at this point, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I would just get them quickly because now we are like in the last couple of, uh, you know, we're down. Walk-ups, don't worry. We're, we're down. So I would just, I would say get them sooner than later because that, that the, the kick up that I promised in the last couple of weeks is happening and then some actually faster than in New York. So we'll see you there. All right, man. On today's show, Nancy Pelosi talking spicy um, about some of the people who are at the vanguard of basically the only animating force of the Democratic Party at this point. The lifeblood, the energy in the party. She feels the need to talk spicy about some of those people. We're going to get into that first. And at the towards the end of the show, we're going to talk about Beyonce surprise drop in her documentary sort of uh, picture about her performance at Coachella last year. It was groundbreaking. It was historic. We're going to get into that a little bit. But first, man, me and Mike, yeah, we got to talk about Pelosi. And we won this election. It wasn't in districts like mine or Alexandria's. However, wonder, I'm, I'm, she's a wonderful member of Congress. I think all of our colleagues will attest. But those are districts that are solidly Democratic. This glass of water would win with a D next to its name <laughs> in those districts. Just her wrongheadedness here, man. I, I, I know you got a lot to say on this, and you've been talking about it throughout the, throughout the week on the various other platforms that you're on, but, like, what, 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 where do we even start here, Mike? I mean, I think you just have to start with the fact that, that there's, there's just, you know, there's three things going on with someone like Nancy Pelosi. Or if you look at that article in the New York Times yesterday about all of these Democratic establishment people basically trying to get their heads together to try to stop Bernie Sanders, who's, of course, the front runner in the Democratic primary and connecting with voters across the country. Um, you know, I think it's it's basically a combination of genuinely being out of touch, not with or understanding the currents of the country. Then there's also the fact that someone like Nancy Pelosi's, you know, I mean, she raises a lot of corporate money. Yep. She's at home like the rest of the establishment of the Democratic Party with, you know, the corporate sector, the oligarchs that have you know, totally dominated politics without any uh, challenge for decades as, you know, inequality's yep. grown and labor is shrunk and all the rest yep. of it. And then I think, you know, the, the third part is there's just some genuinely, you know, it, it's all connected, but there's also just some ideological foolishness, right? Like, and we say this 
all the fucking time, right? So it's like I understand their self-interest more than this part, but it's, it's like if you go out into the broad country, right, no question, you know, compared to woke Twitter or whatever, you know, like – there are different opinions on so-called social issues. I think sometimes the people in the broad middle might be <laughs> might be more right than we are, right? Like, sure. But my point being is like, the, and of course, I'm not obviously I'm not talking about like you know broad rights for people. Obviously not. Although I think that more and more people are kind of going the right direction on that as well. But when it comes down to you know, giving everybody health care, taking on the banks and all the rest of it, people are pretty on board. So yep. the thing that's crazy about Nancy Pelosi, I mean, first of all, she's not just dismissing AOC. She isn't guarding Elon Omar, who is my favorite member of Congress and the most brave member of Congress, while the Republicans are literally inciting against her. Yep. Uh, she's also literally just, again, refusing to get that actually her perception of what is middle of the country and what is moderate, if you poll it, AOC, Bernie Sanders. It's closer to it. It's closer <laughs> to it. Bernie, Elizabeth Warren, AOC, all of these people, that is what people want. Yeah. And you and I'm I'm so happy you just said that because the comments she made where she's like, oh, the the district that Alexandria won in. Uh, you know, a, a glass of water with a D in front of its name could have won that district pretty easily, which ignores the fact that she kicked somebody's ass in a primary. Right. You know, one of Pelosi's homies, right? Like exactly. that ignores that fact, right? That's it's it's dismissive in an unnecessary way, but it's also just wrong-headed intellectually. It's it's just a uh, um it's intellectually dishonest. It's not like she showed up and won a ditch. She won a primary against one of your boys, one of your type of Democrats, and she kicked his ass. The people wanted something different than what that dude was offering, right? And again, and I say this over and over again to the Dems, just look at the other side. Where is this centrism will win the day on the Republican side? It, it, and it's not just that it doesn't exist now. It's been 30-something years of it, of them straight up and down moving to the right, to where people like Nancy Pelosi thinks um, the middle of the country is deregulating banks and letting them do whatever the hell they want. It, it's just that's not how this goes. We've been moving towards the right for years as a country. Any single ob objective study or measure of how right-leaning we've become, how right-leaning we've moved, um, it says the same thing. Every study shows we've become more conservative as a country. So this idea that, you know, on the left, the ostensible left in this country, we should be moderating our message while those people are getting more and more extreme in their deregulation, their conservatism, they're like, you know, less health care for people, less social for people. It's like, what are you talking about? Right. Like she just sounds clueless. And I get it. Part of it is like you get cushy in your position and you're standing within the party. Right. Like you are firmly within you are firmly entrenched within the establishment, the rule setters of the party and you got used to that power and you got used to um, being able to do basically what you want as far as setting agendas. But that's just, it's over for that. 
It's over for that. People aren't here for it. And again, even with somebody like Hillary Rodham Clinton, who is a Pelosi Schumer Dem, she just straight up is. She even saw like, bro, I have to um, uh, move in a more leftward manner, progressive manner on all of the policy um, positions I've taken. You know, minimum wage went from 12 to 15. Everything, everything moved to the left because she's she wasn't dumb, right? She wants to do what Pelosi does. She wants to be able to have lunches with Goldman Sachs types and still get union guys to fight with fight for her. But slowly but surely, we're seeing like, no, it doesn't work like that anymore. And Pelosi's, like you said, she's out of, she just sounds out of touch. Again, the tepid, the tepid defense of Ilhan Omar, that's part and parcel with the fucking Democratic Party. They just cower in the face of any Republican um, criticisms, whether it be to themselves or to a colleague. That's just what they're going to do. They're going to cower. They're going to give tepid responses. They're going to just basically kowtow to these people. That's that that doesn't surprise me. It's annoying. It's it's upsetting. It's disappointing. But I'm not surprised. But like the idea that you're gonna dismiss the AOCs of the party, the Warrens of the party, the Bernies of the party, and talk about well, our people had to win districts that were right down the middle. They have to win them on those issues, the issues that these people are on the right side of. Period. They're not gonna win them on. No, I think the private insurance market is actually working perfect. And oh, she said she was agnostic about whether Medicare for all is better than um, Obamacare. Like she's clue. She just doesn't get it. And we and and Mike, you mentioned it when you talk about how cozy she is with the corporate powers of the country. Um, it's financing a lot of her campaigns. And again, a lot of this is self-preservation, right? It's like, how am I supposed to get my stuff funded by these cats? That they're like, you need, you can't even rein, rein in the own, you, you, the people in your own party. You know, you're the leader. You're supposed yeah. to be flipping up votes. You're supposed to be setting an agenda. You know, she's looking out for her own best interest, self-interest, honestly. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. That's another reason that it's hard to really, because you can... You can make the case just like you could, you know, at the very least make the case like the idea when they're running around going, oh, no, like we're really worried because if Bernie's nominated, he'll lose to Trump. Like bullshit. Like yeah, that's a lot. everybody knows that obviously Bernie could beat Trump. Uh, and as a matter of fact, there's candidates I don't like who, as things stand now, could beat Trump. That's just a dumb argument. And Bernie could definitely do it. But they're scared that Bernie could beat them. Like, right. That's the issue. And I think that, you know, it, and this is the structural problem, right? Like, I'm not, you know, I'm not on some like third party fantasy and people have been angry about, you know, at that, uh, at me about that for a while. I mean, on, on like a local level, I think totally. Like, I definitely think actually a place like New York City, I think it's worth considering if some people want to, you know, challenge some real estate Democrats from like maybe the framework of not being a Democrat, right? But that's a possibility. But, you know, nationally, it is Democrats versus Republicans. There's a lot of structural reasons for that. And all that being said, you know, th this is the this is what though disadvantages even just like basic progressive ideas from people like Sanders or AOC because 
you do have, you know, you have two corporate parties, you have two capitalist parties, you have two parties that in terms of money and leadership and ideology are still basically, you know, are going to bat for the 1%, going to bat for different styles of 1%. And, you know, I think that is really, you know, that's what though it's making it kind of sharper and sharper in a way, right? Because these these people are less and less able to, you know, make these arguments. Like even 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 Leslie Stahl when Nancy Pelosi dismissed AOC and the other, you know, like young dynamic leaders of the house, right? Like nobody's nobody's paying attention to some, you know, random new corporate whatever, right? Like they're interested in AOC and Rashida Tlaib and Ilan Omar and, you know, and Iona Presley and Katie Porter. And, you know, and as I always keep saying, Bernie leads in the polls. Like this is where the energy is, and, right? And, and, exa- and, so, and, and, and by and the way, hold on, Mike, we need to explain to Mike, we need to explain to people what we mean by energy, meaning mobilizing people. These people are yeah. the ones who will inspire people to hit the streets, Nancy right. Pelosi and her type don't have that type of power. They draw right. power from the money that they can gather. Right. They right. don't draw power from actual people. They don't draw power from the boots on the ground. That's what I mean by the only animating force in your party. You want to oppose that. That doesn't make any sense, right? And I, and I didn't mean to interrupt, Mike, because I know some people are listening to this, to this and they're thinking to themselves, why wouldn't they want to just jump on the magic carpet? Because they can't. Because they have a different, but I think that's that's what I'm saying, though. It's like they just have a different incentive view. structure. They have a different incentive. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And, and I think part of what's happening now, though, is it's getting more and more raw, right? Like, because the kind of bullshit of, oh, no, don't do that. Like, that's getting exposed to be bullshit more and more every single fucking second. So now what you have left is let's literally, I mean, again, you could read this New York Times column and it will make you, you know, totally disgusted as you should be with the Democratic Party leadership and Center for American Progress and all of these, you know, hack corporate institutions. They're they're having, you know, conniptions. And it's obvious. It's because wait a second, if Bernie's the nominee, you know, there's, wait, where's the largesse? Where are the jobs? Where, like, maybe there's a different infrastructure. And I mean, that's what this is about, period. Yeah, yeah it's about upsetting the apple cart. It's like, guys, you got a good thing going. So what that we don't win elections, right? So the, <laughs> yeah, so I mean, what that we don't deliver results for our constituents and like the I like the I, and Pelosi tried to take credit for the dem the dem wave in the house <laughs> centrist she was like essentially most of my constituents I mean excuse me most of my colleagues they won they didn't win districts as easy as AOCs they won them down the line but they won they won them in districts that were like fairly close blue and red but they won them on these issues <laughs> that's 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 why it's well, just yeah, like again, to try to they, take credit for that. Hundred percent, because even because what's funny to me is like even a guy like in and this is obviously not our politics, but you took like the exact opposite example, right? And something that that uh you know Pelosi's probably more excited about because he's 
obviously more play ball, more establishment or whatever. But do you remember that there was that special election in 2017 and that dude, Connor Lamb, he won like a Trump district in Pennsylvania. And that was definitely kind of like the race that it was like, oh, all right. Like that's a very good indication for Democrats taking about the House, right? And again, what was funny was if I recall, I mean, he talked all about how even though he was a Democrat, he was like locked and loaded. He, you know, expressed he might have even been as far as saying he was literally opposed to abortion, right? So really right wing, you know, or just, you know, center right by those standards. And then on the other hand, the dude never kept his mouth shut about unions and union work and all of this. And again, you know, he wasn't necessarily as bold, obviously, on things like single payer, but that's like the even just that fusion, that's like the opposite of what Pelosi and you know, like I mean Pelosi, okay. You can't like, be Pelosi a unionist people. and a corporatist at the same time. Those two things don't go together. Yeah. You can't be unionist and corporatist. Like it right. doesn't it doesn't work. Those two things don't job. That's why, like what you just said, Pelosi and her type, or you know, even Schumer who gets on my nerves too. And has been getting on my nerves. He's um, the worst. You you can't merge. You can't mer- you can't do that double talk. You can't be a corporatist. Even like, and again, when you come out and say, "Well, I don't know how we're gonna pay for it," or "I don't know how we're gonna do this," it's like, "Well, I don't know if we could ask the corporate class to pay their fair share." I don't know. But you can't say that out loud if you're Pelosi, because ostensibly you're supposed to be part of the party of working people. It's just, you know, it's just annoying that she would go out in public and talk out the side of her mouth like that. I don't understand the point of that. Well, I think the point, as we said, right, is it's money, it's career, it's position, it's ideology. And you have, you know. I think it's like also the last thing I'll say about this is that you also you have all of these Democratic leaders um, in, you know, to different degrees. Right. But you can in some ways you can bucket all of them. Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, obviously the Clintons, uh, I think and ideologically Obama. and, And I think that it's a combination that they have underestimated how bad it is out there for a lot of people. Like people are not, you know, the other side of the Uber economy, you know, oh, cool, it's a fundraiser in Silicon Valley and technology, isn't this exciting? The other side of it is, you know, worse jobs, less pay, more stress, right? Yep. Like that's just the, and and so they've underestimated how angry people are and how bad things are. And, you know, of course they underestimated it because they're in bed with all the industries that make it bad. And on top of that, I think that they've also underestimated, you know, the flip side of the anger, which is that now, you know, people like Sanders, you know, putting on the table, like, you know, as a matter of fact, not only are things totally disgusting and unjust and corrupt and sick and out of whack, maybe they can actually be kind of decent and not just like, oh, well, you know, our answer for your life being totally squeezed in every way, shape or form is 
you know, some weird new tax scheme that will take you like 10 hours, you know, 10 hours to get on the computer with. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's what they've underestimated. Obviously, there's still an impulse in the party. Again, Democrats are a very broad party. So, you know, someone like Buttigieg is going to just kind of try to go in that lane, the like young version of like, no, we just need to have a better attitude and a few little schemes here and there. But I do think a lot of people are, are, you know, they're really fed up, man. And we need to obviously channel that fed upness into good things and socialism. And look, and, and here's the thing, and I'm glad you just said that. We can end off on this. The bottom line is the right has been winning for 30 years. They've deregulated everything. They've, yep. they've packed the courts. And basically, like, that's the animating principle of that party, right? It, like, their establishment anyway. It's like, we just want our businesses to do whatever the fuck they want with as little interference from the government and little oversight as possible. They've been able to achieve that to the point where they're now at the point where the only other thing that animates their party is slashing Social Security, slashing Medicare, because they're like, this, this is the last thing that we could possibly do, mind you. Everybody knows these are toxic issues, right? Like these are issues that their core voters, don't, they don't want people touch. They want, as a fact, they want more Medicare. They want more Social Security, right? Right. They so want the time where Obama put cutting. So, in fact, the only reason they didn't cut Social Security and Medicare is that Obama put terrible cuts on the table, like in 2011. And the Republicans are so crazy. They were just like, nah, that's like 70, 80 percent of what we want. We want 100. Fuck you. <laughs> right. And so, and, but that's what I'm just saying. Like, that's the animating principle of the party. It's like, this is, they've won so much. Like, we've moved so far to the right as a country. This is all they can even fight for anymore. It's like, what else are we going to gut? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, when Pelosi's talk about centrism is the way, she just sounds dumb. And what advice would you have? to give this generation. Tell the truth to yourself first and to the children. Recording this on a Wednesday, April 17th, and Beyonce and Netflix, out of nowhere, out the clear blue sky, dropped a movie, a documentary of sorts called Homecoming. It's about her iconic performance at Coachella last year, uh, 2018. And, you know, people need to understand why this performance was so significant. Just so much black iconography used between, like, you know, Divine Nine, uh, Greek stuff to just like straight up Panther stuff to the some of her most pro-black songs being performed and to do that on that stage which is America's hugest music festival most popular most tickets sold the biggest one um, for Beyonce to come out and do that was just extremely bold and groundbreaking and the reason why it's important and and I want to talk about it and it's not so much the movie but so much Beyonce as an artist right this is somebody who's now 
20 years in the game, right? Like she came in when she was like 17 years old back in 1998 with Destiny's Child. 20 years in the game and for at least the first decade of her um, career, Mike, nothing conscious-based, nothing pro-black overtly. It's just like I'm excellent at my craft. I'm black. I'm you know, I dance the way I dance. I sing the way I sing. I talk the way I talk. Like, she's not on some, I don't know, like Tiger Woods type, Cabin Asian type of I'm distancing myself type shit, right? Like, she's never shied away from it, but her music and her affectation was never overtly political, right? And slowly oh, but not, sh- not at all. No, no. no. Yeah, and yeah. slowly but surely, as she's gotten older, as she's gained, you know, more experience, more, more just, uh, just, uh, I don't know, savvy as an artist, like she's put more of that into her music. She's put more of that into her imagery. This is somebody who's extremely meticulous about every little detail of the stuff that she puts out in public. And so for her to gradually and graduate from an artist who was overtly apolitical to somebody who goes out of their way to talk about black stuff, to push black images, I just think it's really cool, even as somebody like me who's not the biggest Beyonce fan, I can appreciate the evolution of her as an artist, right? As a woman, as a public person, as a black face. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's face it. She's one of the most famous black people on the planet. She's probably top five at this point. She's one of the most famous people on the planet. Exactly. Right? And so a lot of times... The the discourse online or if you like, uh, you know, if you had a barbershop or a barbecue, people are always complaining about artists not saying enough or doing enough. And I'm, I push back against that because not everybody should be talking about this shit all the time. Not everybody's equipped. Not everybody's comfortable. Not every. And sometimes when you force it upon somebody, it's not coming from a genuine place. And I just love the way Beyonce stuff has evolved man she came to it on her own and i think the message is much better for it mike yeah i agree with that actually um you know it's it's the beyonce conversation is hard for me because as i've said a million times and please (laughs) hear me clearly (laughs) on this i like beyonce I think Beyonce is cool. I've liked Beyonce back into when, yeah, she was, you know, crazy, so crazy, blah, blah, blah. Like, I like that stuff, too. I did uh, not appreciate, speaking of being apolitical, the Destiny's Child at George W. Bush's inauguration, which is very (laughs) ironic given all of these conversations. But, But, you know, whatever. I'm also just not, like, I'm not a... You know, there's plenty of people whose art and entertainment I like that, uh, you know, I don't agree with their politics or whatever. I just, I just you know, I'm not that person. So regardless, but I, I guess my only hesitation. Oh, yeah. To finish my thought was like, I like Beyonce, but I feel like it's a world where she means something almost messianic to a lot of people across yep. the board. You know, definitely, I would say like. Almost every woman I know in their 30s to late 20s has a relationship with Beyonce that is, um, I think, particularly in today's world, kind of like unparalleled because there's just fewer, fewer like just total icons like that. So on that, I mean, you just have to respect it. 
And then, you know, sometimes what happens with people that everybody loves, you know, some people like me do the, oh, well, no, actually, they're not all that. It's not my <laughs> position. He's great. I just, it just doesn't move me. Yeah. And, you know, part of it might be that, like, you know, the obvious reasons. I'm not a black woman. <laughs> but, you know, at the same time, like, I don't know, I mean, the obvious contrast, I am actually very moved and fascinated by Solange. I think I find, I guess my only kind of question marks about Beyonce is that it just always, it's, it's so perfect. And that's obviously part of the appeal is that yeah. she's flawless and impeccable, right? Uh, in terms of the choreography, the design, the planning, the strategy, everything. I don't, but I can watch her do a performance. In fact, I think you and I were at Artesia's, uh, our mutual really good friend. We were, we yep. watched her perform. And if I recall, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I think, I think maybe even Artesia, but I know you and I were like, wow, that's like objectively amazing. And like, okay, you know what, like what's next? Like it didn't, it didn't have any emotional pop. And, and I guess that kind of links to my second thing, which is like, you know, Look, I don't underplay – culture matters. We went through this show of culture didn't matter, right? So – and obviously Beyonce has definitely slipped that like backing Colin Kaepernick. Like they, like they put it – she has put it on the table, I would say, Jay-Z too. Yeah. But I also think there's like another element where it's like, well, what is the next phase of going political besides like – amazing iconography and really provocative act like like uh, performance which is cool because it will definitely offend and trigger and freak out the people that we all don't like and like to offend and trigger and freak out but what's the next phase of that you know what is the what's the agenda and the only reason i ask that honestly is because she's putting that on the table herself that's not an expectation exactly. out of artists but she's put it on the table so i want to know how her products are made. I want to know, you know, what the plan is. And I see some of it, as I said, they've gotten, you know, Kaepernick's back and so on, but I think there's still some other, you know, it still could be fleshed out. Yeah. And I think that to me, just personally speaking for the first time in her career, I'm interested, I'm excited, yeah. interested in what she's going to do next. Because again, she's been slowly, but surely building up to these different type of moments. Right. Um, and the Coachella thing was just one of those things. It's, it's not a like nod to like, oh, black people, I love you. It's like, no, this is my shit. I'm, I'm sending this out to the world unfiltered, right? There is no gloss over this. This is the actual thing. I'm not trying to explain it to you. I'm not trying to dumb it down. I'm not trying to whitewash it for you. I'm giving it to you as it is. Um, again, that's pretty exciting to see. So as she matures and gets even more seasoned in her career again a career that's been two de two decades plus by now right um yeah. you know i'm interested to see where she takes it so you know i know people are were in a frenzy when this when netflix just dropped this thing out the clear blue sky for everybody uh but i i just wanted to talk about beyonce's trajectory just in general it's it's pretty fascinating to watch at this point Definitely. And I mean, it's always, I mean, first, when you establish longevity, that's always, that's always one thing for artists. And then secondly, when you genuinely are still putting out new things, you know, like, I think this is a thing, regardless, I mean, you know, we joke about the rivalry a lot, but of course, I love Jay-Z. But, you know, there was a period of time where it was like, dude, 
Like, you know, yeah. like we're in the Occupy era for what it's worth. Yep. Even. Like you can't like the same narrative that you're poor and now you're rich. I don't changed. think it's hitting the same way, you know? And right. I think, you know, she really, um, she stepped right out. And even down like on Lemonade with the the poet, I believe the woman that she collaborated with was from uh, Somalia, if I recall correctly. She was on target with like that it's it's going to be political, it's going to be racialized, and it's also, but it's also going to be global as well. I mean, she has such an incredible antenna for how culture works and both where things are moving and moving at exactly the right time so that she's like perfectly placed in between a wave, but also close enough to where a major block of people are. So it doesn't, it's not like, Ooh, what the fuck was that? Or, Oh, okay. That's what everybody already sees. It's like in that perfect middle position of like trend setting and defining but also close enough to where people are kind of itching to go that they're like, oh, right, that's where we wanted to go. I mean, right. she's on parallel at that. She's on parallel. All right, that's today's show, y'all. Of course, make sure you subscribe, rate, and leave a review for the Black Opinions Matter feed, the bomb feed. Of course, make sure you're telling everybody you love woke bros. And it's important that you spread the word, post, share, always. Because, you know, the more you spread the word, the more listeners, the bigger and better the show will get. Um, of course, make sure you subscribe to The Athletic, theathletic.com backslash dings. The TMBS Patreon, which is only getting bigger, better, more refined, more incredible. Make sure you get on that. And, of course, make sure you're supporting the Count the Dings Patreon. We, we count on that for to basically fund what we do here. Um, and if you like the material, you should sign up for Patreon. We got a lot of extra special goodies in the for the Patreons. Um, we will see you guys next week. For Michael Brooks, I'm Big Waz. Later.